This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Nine years for Griner and my triggering tweet, an outspoken Idaho sheriff ticked off and rightfully so at the open border slash open drug smuggling policies killing Americans. Country singer Craig Campbell joins me in studio. And last but not least, some final thoughts for the female wokester journalist who couldn't help but harass 81-year-old Pete Rose on his big day. That's next, and the show starts now. Russia-stranded Brittany Griner was slapped with nine years in Russian prison for toting vape cartridges containing weed oil into a Moscow airport. Now, she claims she mistakenly packed those cartridges, and despite how overboard the charges for that may seem to us freedom-loving Americans, that's the law in Russia. And you'd think Brittany would have been a little more careful with her hash oil given Russia's reputation, but clearly not. And yeah, I think the charges are excessive, overblown, and overkill, but no, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for Griner. You know, I'll play her the world's smallest violin, but that's about it. Speaking of violins, though, Putin is playing Joe Biden like a fiddle. Let's be honest, Griner is a black lesbian basketball player, and Putin knows damn good and well the pressure on Biden to get her home is high. No pun intended. But word on the street a couple weeks back was that Biden was ready to swap a Russian arms dealer nicknamed the Merchant of Death for crying out loud. Under Donald Trump, Little Miss America hating Griner would have been home by now, but not under weak Brandon. So to those who are trying to blame the WNBA pay gap for Griner going to Russia, Griner getting busted, and Griner getting sentenced, you may be smoking more than vape cartridges containing hash oil. I'll tell you that. But the reality is, is, you know, she's over there because of a gender issue, pay inequity. Um, I played in Russia for four years. I played in Poland for one year. I played in China for two years. We go over there to supplement our incomes. And quite frankly, we go over there um, to maintain our game. That was the head of the WNBA Players Union whining about the pay disparity between NBA and WNBA players. You know, she correctly noted NBA players make about 44 times what the average WNBA player makes, but she incorrectly implies this is due to sexism. No, wrong. It's due to the fact that, sorry, not sorry, people don't watch the WNBA on TV, in person, on a plane, on a train, on a bus, or on purpose. According to the World Sports Network, on average, NBA tickets are over $70 higher. They bring in over $7 billion more and have about 15 million more viewers. The WNBA does not put eyes on screens and butts in chairs. That's a fact. It's Griner's fault for bringing the vape cartridges. It's Joe's fault for being weak. And it's Democrats' fault for electing weak Joe. Brittany Griner is a cautionary tale. Hate America? Think it's oppressive? Go to another country, play stupid games, and find out what oppression and no justice looks like. But on the bright side, trigger warning, this really ticked off the blue check liberals on Twitter. Griner won't have to listen to the anthem she detests so much for nine whole years, so there's that. But still ahead, an Idaho sheriff is sounding the alarm on the illicit drugs killing residents of his state, and guess where those drugs are coming from? Ding, 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 our wide open southern border. That's next. 
Over 100,000 Americans died from drug overdose in 2021. That was up a staggering 15% from 2020 when ODs were already on the rise, due in part to the safer-at-home COVID protocols and, of course, the illicit, illegal, and deadly drugs pouring across our southern border. And one of those illicit drugs often used to cut other drugs is fentanyl. It's 50 times stronger than heroin and becoming not only the new drug of choice, but also the new drug of almost certain death. But it's not just the druggies using it, knowingly or unknowingly, they're suffering. It's the law enforcement and Border Patrol officers who come in contact with it, again, thanks to our wide-open border and the politicians who made it that way. Let's go, Brandon. My next guest is sounding the alarm from the non-border state of Idaho. Joining me now is Idaho Sheriff Kieran Donahue. Sheriff, thank you so much for being with me and sounding the alarm. You are not in a border state, but as we know, these things coming across our southern border, they don't stop in Texas or Arizona or New Mexico. They come all the way up to where you are, to where we are. And tell me what you're seeing in your state. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It, it's It's been an ongoing problem literally for years, if not decades. And we are, we are not a border state with the southern border, but all states in the United States today are border states. That's really what we all are, where you are, where I'm at. And what we have is numerous arterial highways coming into this area. We're right next door to Boise, Idaho, the capital. And with all those arterial highways, it makes it a great depository for the cartels, a huge network of operatives by the cartels. And then we're a distribution point spreading clear out to where you are from Idaho. So the amount of drugs here are enormous. We're overwhelmed with the fentanyl issue. We're overwhelmed with methamphetamine, which we have been for years. And you're 100% right. This all originates from Mexico, from the southern border. Even though China provides the precursors, Southeast Asia provides the precursors, it's, it's produced in, in South America, Central America, Mexico, and then funneled through our 2,000 miles of open border, thanks, unfortunately, to this administration. And we're seeing this fentanyl problem just increase all over the United States. Now people that were accidentally using it are now purposely using it. And we've obviously had an opioid epidemic, methamphetamines in our country for, for many, many years, many, many decades. It's only worsening, especially thanks to COVID and everybody that was trapped in their homes, turning addicts into relapsers. And it's been a big problem. But in Idaho, you know, I saw your interview on Fox and Friends, which was excellent, by the way, and I knew I had to have you on my show. But I heard you talking about the fact that not only are you dealing with the drugs, you're actually dealing with the gangs and the cartels themselves. What are you seeing in terms of individuals in your state? Well, we have, uh, we've, again, we've dealt with the cartels for years. Uh, I dealt with them when I was on the task force with the FBI for years as an undercover officer. We have these people operating. They're, they're actually assigned here, just like you would a military operation. You assign your lieutenants and people to run your operation. Then they associate with our outlaw motorcycle gangs, the Hells Angels, Mongols, and their subsets. And then they also align themselves very deeply with our Hispanic gangs in our area. And the gangs are, are territorial themselves, but everybody's moving the dope. Everybody's moving the product. Then you have some outlier people, some personnel that are just, you know, their, their own agents, if you will. But when fentanyl is so cheap and it's so pervasive and it's so the oversupply is so immense, that's why we're having so many problems. I know Idaho last year, I think the numbers 150 some odd people died overdose just in the, just in our state you know you can take a half a pill and and still die on these on these mex blues or the or the uh, the the m30s they call them they're all clandestine made uh, pills by clandestine labs by the cartels and people like kids these these kids that are going out hitting a teenage party 
maybe they they do the bowl of Skittles where everybody's dumping in prescription drugs, the opioids. They do not realize that inside those those uh, M30s is enough fentanyl to kill probably everybody in that room, and unfortunately, they're dying from it. And there's and people just really have not become aware to the true understanding of just how dangerous this stuff is. I, I don't remember what interview I was on, but I said, you know, this stuff's at your doorstep. It's at my doorstep. It's at your doorstep. And we are in crisis facing this drug. And I know it's not even, like I said in my intro, it's not even just the drug users who are suffering from this. It's also law enforcement officers, Border Patrol, we know deals with that. Their dogs deal with it. But this fentanyl, even just trying to apprehend it, trying to get it out of your communities, you're having a huge problem. Tell me about what your your deputies are experiencing and when they come in contact with, with fentanyl and other drugs as well. Well, and of course, for the first time ever, and probably in your jurisdiction as well, we are arming our patrol officers and our jails with Narcan, Naloxone, to, to administer when things happen. We've had incidences in our jail where we've had deputies go down. You know, the intake process, the patrol officer brings someone in, the deputies take over, they do a search. And one particular incident, the first one that happened to my male deputies were, uh, they had gloves on, they had masks on, because as you say, it's kind of in the COVID timeframe. But there was powder inside of the, of the person, personal items of this, of this suspect. And once those things went airborne, both deputies went down. Both, both unconscious. Medical was right next door, of course, called right in. Deputies are administering Narcan or medical personnel administering Narcan. They were both ambulatory, both sent to the hospital, and then one by medical uh, professionals put on a Narcan drip to save his life. We had the same thing happen two weeks later, similar circumstances with female officers. This is, this is I, I hear, you know, ever since I, I've been talking about this, I hear people say, well, that, that's not possible. Medical fentanyl, it's just not possible. It couldn't happen. We're not talking about medical fentanyl here. We're not talking about FDA-approved packaged fentanyl that you get administered for pain in a hospital setting. This is street drug fentanyl. This is illicit narcotics pressed in pills in, in clandestine labs. And these people aren't medical personnel. They're not, they're not, they're not hired to do this. There's no FDA regulator standing by. How, how much is going into that pill? How much are you going to lace that methamphetamine, methamphetamine with that? How much are you going to lace that heroin with that? that? That stuff out the window. It's ridiculous to even think that way. So I hear these medical so-called professionals saying, that could never happen. You have never dealt with the dope we're dealing with. This stuff is, is 100% pure fentanyl. As you mentioned, 50 to literally 100 times more powerful than, than morphine. And so when these people come in contact with it, you, you, you know, people say, well, I, that just can't happen. I say, well, I'd like you to come talk to my deputies that it actually has happened to, or the state police officer last, last week that it happened to, or the, a deputy down in Florida, the sheriff saying he was hospitalized for days and days and days. This is incredibly dangerous stuff, and there's certainly no FDA approval on it or any regulation to it. That's what it kills me to hear people say this, that oh, that just couldn't happen. Right. Explain that to my deputies. They're not just going through a panic attack. Well, right. And we know why this is happening. And not only there's no FDA regulation on this fentanyl, there's no regulation of our southern border. These cartels are getting rich off of it. You know, there's a long discussion in this country about what drugs should be legal, what shouldn't. I mean, there are certain cities and states in our country that believe in just legalizing all illicit drugs and letting it be a free for all. You know, I think it's one thing if people want to harm themselves, but it's another thing when they're harming others, especially those that are protecting the rest of the community. It's a burden on your officers. It's a burden on these communities. 
communities. It's a burden on the neighbors in these communities, and it needs to stop. Well, the last thing that I want to address before I let you go, Sheriff, is if we do see a red wave coming in November, and then we see an even bigger red wave coming in 2024, what policies would you like to see to help your state and the rest of our states that are really suffering from this problem? The number one policy mandate has to be that border. You know, and it's not just building a wall. The physical barrier is a deterrent, but we also have the other manpower. We have literally physical human capital manpower, Customs Border Protection and, and law enforcement, but we also have technology. It's going to take all three. And under President Trump, we were making some headway down there. I'll be down at the border next month, once again, working with my colleagues and, and filming down there. But that has to be the number one border. This is truly a national security issue. When you, if you look at the numbers through June, 1.7 plus million people already passed through that border, 1.7 million. And that's not counting the 500,000, half a million getaways. We don't know who they were. We don't know where they come from. We don't know where they are today. But through that 1.7, that's 163 countries represented in that population. Right. It's certainly bigger. It's certainly bigger than crazy. my home state of South Dakota and the surrounding states. Two million people coming into our country. Our communities cannot absorb it. And I'll tell you what, these drug traffickers and these drug smugglers and these cartel organizations are loving what's happening at our border because it is so overrun and overwhelmed with individuals that they're able to sleep, or sneak right on through and get whatever drugs they need to get through. And they're making a lot of money both through human smuggling and drug smuggling. But Sheriff, it's people like you and sheriffs across this country that are really stepping up where our politicians, even some of our governors have failed, certainly our administration has failed. So thank you for calling attention to it and good luck at that border. We look forward to seeing your footage because it's up to you and those like you to sound the alarm. We appreciate you doing it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sheriff. All right, still to come. He's a country artist, a Nashvilleian, and he's in studio. Craig Campbell. Is this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. What's next? He finished his By God tour and is out with a new song, Things You Do in a Truck. But today he's out of the truck and he's on set with me. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Campbell, another Nashvillian or just outside of Nashville. Yeah, yeah. You know, we just say Nashville because at this point it's all Nashville. It is. And it's crazy how, you know, you know where, where are you from, Nashville? Yeah, uh, well, I have a friend that lives in uh, uh, Lebanon. I'm like, yeah, that's an hour away from, you know, yeah. it's, you, you're an hour away from everybody in Nashville. Well, you know, there's a lot of Californians moving in to Nashville, though, so it's just easier to say Nashville. Uh, but you're a, you're a country singer, and your country music is country music. Very country. Traditional, like what I'm used to listening right. to growing up in the 90s country, much more that vibe. But I want to get your take on how country music is changing as well, because you turn on country radio, and sometimes it doesn't feel so country radio do you have any thoughts on that? Because I know there's a big divide in the industry of whether that's a good thing, a bad thing, or in between. You know, I, I have an opinion. Of the whole, you know, that ain't country statement. I mean, and it is what it is. Now, I will, I will 100% agree that the country music def, definition, like country music as a genre, doesn't have really defined lines. You can hear a song. Um, on a country radio station, and then you hear that same exact version on a pop station, 
uh, and that's that confuses me. You know, I understand sometimes a song will cross over, but what they'll, a lot of times they'll just make a new version of it with some pop flair. Right. Uh, but man, it's crazy. You'll hear the same version on a country station and a pop station. Now, I'm not cool with that. Um, uh, but as far as my music is concerned, I'm, I've never, I've, I tell my, you will never hear any of my music on a pop station. It's just because I don't, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And it's just, uh, it's just when I open my mouth, it's country. Well, that's certainly true. And we appreciate that, though, because there's a lot of Californians coming in, not only to Nashville to live, but into the industry. And it feels like country music is sometimes kind of a catch-all for everything else. Everybody can seem to make it in country music from other genres, and so there's a lot of crossover. Not necessarily a bad thing, but what would you say is the Craig Campbell fan? Because you got a song, Things You Do in a Truck, very country. What is your fan base like? I would say my fan base is uh, eight, you know, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, working hard class, uh, a working class um, American, um, family oriented, you know, I, I, my, I, my fans range from anywhere from, from, you know, 12 years old all the way to 75 years old. I cover the, uh, the spectrum for sure. But I mean, I would say my main core audience would be the, the 25 to 35 year olds that, that have jobs and have families and have responsibilities and and that's, those are the people that I, I try to, you know, because I fit into that demographic right. as well. So when I write songs, that's, that's, uh, that's what comes out. And that's just, it just relates. When I feel country music fans, at least by and large, or they used to be anyway, are patriotic Americans, and I see you got an American flag tattoo on your arm, you know, you believe in the red, white, and blue in, in our country and standing for it and believing in it. And sometimes the music industry doesn't really go in lockstep with that so much anymore, even in the countryside. Now, what have you noticed as far as the industry changing and them pushing more of the woke agenda, not just in entertainment, but really heavily into country music? Sometimes it seems like there's a divide between the country fan and the country administration, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree, and that's one of the reasons I feel like, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't have a record deal. Um, it's just because I, I, I feel like I, I work better and not having to ask permission because nine times out of ten when you have to do that, you're going to get shut down. Um, so the creative wind is taken out of your sails and you have nothing to say about it. Um, as far as like, yeah, you got people up, up top making all these decisions that don't know who their audience, the true country music audience is. And there are country music singers that... that um, for lack of a better term, bow down to that and and don't stand their ground and and I'll be honest with you, I was that way very early on in my career. I did whatever they said because I was afraid I'd lose my record deal. Um, and but now after seeing behind the curtain and all that, it's like I you know I'm much happier now. But it it sucks to know that a lot of these guys want to stand up, but they won't. They don't. Because they're afraid of the recoil or the, the... And is there, is it a fear or is it legitimate? Because I, I know a lot of country singers who are very conservative, Trump supporters, DeSantis supporters, you know, they're out there, red, white, and blue. They believe in the military. They believe in law enforcement. In 2020, when all this stuff was kicking up and all the record labels were really pushing their artists to post the black squares and this, that, and the other, a lot of them didn't want to do it. They didn't feel it was genuine or authentic to their brand or their ideals, but they felt as if they didn't, that they would automatically be deemed and labeled a racist. And I think 2020 was when that really, really changed. 
Is it a fear tactic, or will these labels really follow through on the canceling of people who don't fall in line? You know, I don't even I don't know how that would how that would happen. I mean, I think it is a I think it's just fear. I think it's absolutely fear. I don't think of a record label, especially if somebody steps out and, and and says, "Hey, here's how here's how I feel about this, and this is why I feel this way." Um, their fans are going to stick with them. I mean, it's been proven over and over. Um, but yeah, that's there's a lot of silence in in the fact that not necessarily that you agree or you disagree. You just you don't you don't want to get into the whole mix of it all because you don't know what would be the outcome. Right. Um, I for for one did not play that game the whole black square and I was like I'm this dumb I'm not doing it uh even though I had some people tell me you know here's what's happening this is trending you should do this and I'm like no no absolutely not so it's just it is a fear tactic what's bothersome to me is that post a black square don't post a black square whatever but all these months that these gimmicky months that we have to do post this post a rainbow post that you know, it's really easy for these big corporations and the industry to mandate that. But if you say I support law enforcement and I love America, then that is what is now controversial. It's really weird we've entered that point in time where if you come out and say, hey, listen, I think police officers are wonderful. That's the headline. Not, not I think police officers are oppressive and racist. That's just feels like it's every day. And I think you're right. It's because people are so afraid. Yeah. To stand up, but you're not just a, a country singer. You're also a business owner, and you're you're diving in to the, the coffee business here in Nashville. Yeah, just south of here, a little town called Eagleville. Uh, we have uh, called Grindstone Shop, Grindstone Cowboy. Grindstone Cowboy, which is an ingenious name. It's fantastic for Thank a coffee you. shop. What made you want to do that from country music to to coffee shops? Well, I mean, uh, I've I always wanted to do something for the for the. What's in the horizon for me? Uh, I know, you know, country music. I'd love to be able to do it for the rest of my life. And but you know that that's only a very small percentage of country music singers get to do that. Um, so I, I do have to plan ahead. Now uh, I thought you know coffee shop, the Grindstone Cowboy name came to me first, and then where we live, I, I started doing research, realized there's no coffee shops nearby. Traffic is heavy. Um, drive through the name I mean just in the vibe it just it all worked out and real estate part of it we own, we own the building which is which is a plus it just all came together so if people go see you at, at grindstone cowboy do you ever perform there do we, yeah. can we can we tell people hey listen you're coming to nashville because you know this is the bachelorette capital of the world <laughs> at this point and if people can go out a little ways you know that's that's a big thing maybe get off the party bus can they see you performing absolutely yeah we uh, i do uh, I do once a month. I play the first Tuesday of every month uh, at Grindstone Cowboy, and we do nothing but '90s country all night long. There you go. So hey, we, listen, that's what these ladies love yeah, anyway. So it's uh, the the downside is we we own, our, our capacity is at 60, so it it fills up pretty quick. Well, that's good though. That's yeah. that's an intimate show. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm going to tell people about this, and maybe some Tuesday I'm going to have to come see you. You should. And Tuesdays are kind of a hard day for me, so maybe you might have to perform on a Friday. I don't know. We'll we work it out, Craig. Yeah. But we are so glad that you came to see us, and uh, thank you for the Grindstone shirt. I think it's a fantastic name. <laughs> and thank you for standing your ground and just being a good old traditional country artist because it's turning into a dying breed, and we need more like you. It is. 100%. So I'm going to stop by and see you as well. Do that. And tell all the Nashvilleians to head that way. Come on. Maybe they can get a party bus out there and have a good old time. <laughs>
All right, just a reminder for everybody as well, we are now streaming the show on OutKick.com in addition to our social media, but you can find more exclusive content on OutKick.com, and we're so excited to share it with you. But up next, one woke sports journalist couldn't help but harass 81-year-old Pete Rose on his first appearance back at the Philly ballpark, and my final thoughts are next. A woke female journalist just couldn't help herself and felt the need to harass 81-year-old Pete Rose during a celebration of the 1980 World Series. And oh yeah, I have some final thoughts. Yesterday, for the first time since he was banned from Major League Baseball in 1989, Pete Rose returned to the Phillies ballpark to commemorate the team's 1980 World Series win. Rose has been shrouded in controversy for 50-plus years, certainly and mostly by his own doing. And I'm not here to excuse his behavior, not for betting on baseball during his playing and managing career, and not for his alleged sexual misconduct. But what I will do is call out this bitter, clout-chasing, and fun-sucking sports journalist for biting at the low-hanging fruit and harassing an 81-year-old man on a day meant to celebrate baseball. For the love of God, can these liberals just leave sports alone for one freaking day, one freaking game, one freaking anything? Has the man not been through enough public shaming at this point? And on a day that was supposed to be a celebration, a commemoration of baseball, athleticism, and victory, this nasty woman had to turn it political. Never mind Pete Rose was welcomed back to the Philly ballpark with cheers and a standing ovation from the majority of Philly's fans. Never mind the day had absolutely nothing to do with politics, allegations, or interrogations. Now every damn article about the day is splashed with the headline about Pete Rose's alleged inappropriate behavior from over 50 years ago. Alex Coffey, I get that you're a female sports journalist, so this is kind of your shtick, but really, you just couldn't help yourself, could you? You had to make this man, that city, and that team celebration day about you. Boy, if you're outraged about decades-old allegations, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Deshaun Watson, who's been accused and has 25 allegations recently, not 55 years ago, of sexual assault and got a measly six-game suspension. Or better yet, you want to hold an old man accountable for inappropriate behavior? Go harass our illustrious former president Bill Clinton or current girl-sniffing POTUS Joe Brandon. If accountability is what you seek, there is plenty of it in politics and sports you can stick your self-indulgent nose into before ruining Pete Rose's big day. Yesterday might have been the closest you'll ever get to a Barbara Walters moment, but you didn't need to go there. Not at that time in that place. Liberals, and more specifically, liberal sports writers, they suck the fun and the sports out of sports. And those are my final thoughts. A reminder, you can catch the show on OutKick.com as well as our social media platforms. But for all the exclusive content, make sure you check out OutKick.com. From Nashville, God bless and take care.